Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. Welcome to another captivating episode of the Art of Badassery podcast. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and today I have the privilege of sitting down with a remarkable guest who has an inspiring story. Her name is Sam Leeson. Born in the early 70s, Sam's journey is a testament to the power of resilience and the discovery of one's true calling. But what makes her story remarkable is her unconventional path, which changed lives and empowered countless others. Her turning point came after the traumatic birth of her eldest child, following an agonizing 10 weeks on bed rest. During this challenging period, she decided to explore the world of labor and birth support, something she'd only heard about in passing during her pregnancy. In the mid-90s, with unwavering determination, She sought out the program, completed the necessary courses, and emerged as a certified doula. In December of 1998, Sam attended her first birth in the role of labor support, and something truly remarkable happened. She returned from that life-changing event with an unshakable certainty. She had found her true calling to empower individuals and families to embrace the journey of birthing their babies with confidence, strength, and self-assurance. Now, since that pivotal moment, Sam has had the incredible honor of being present at the birth of over 500 babies. Her impact extends beyond these life-altering moments, though. She's also shared her wisdom and guidance with over 10,000 people through prenatal education classes. She loves traveling the world with her wife in their free time. She's also known for hosting amazing dinner parties that bring friends closer and provide opportunities for meaningful connections. Today, we're going to delve into the life and experiences of this extraordinary individual. So grab your favorite drink, get your headphones on, and let's welcome our incredible guest, Sam, to the Art of Badassery podcast. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. With an introduction like that, I feel like I need a crown. Oh, man, (laughs) I'm going to send you one in the mail. It's very special to have your story said back to you. And I'm noticing that with this work that I do on the podcast, mm-hmm. almost everyone has said that, oh, wow, that's me. I'm like, yeah, that's you. You're pretty cool. So it yeah. is, it's touching and it's, it's powerful. It's powerful to hear your life reflected back because it's your life, right? You live it day after day, after day, after day. And it's kind of like when somebody looks at you and you have a small child and they, and they haven't seen you for a while and they say, wow, your child's getting so big. And you think, well, I've lived it every day. I guess they're bigger. I guess my life has been pretty cool. And I know, I know I feel like it must've been pretty cool for me, but when you start talking about it, I'm thinking, yeah, it's all right. Well, it's so interesting that you say that because I think so much of what we do we take for granted. Of course, I graduated high school. Of course, I have friends. Of course, I've, you know, I've had great experiences or shitty experiences. That just makes me human, but who wants to talk about it? And yet to your point, really, 
that's what makes us so badass is that we can recognize, okay, you know what? That's really special. Mm -hmm. That's really special. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you're feeling that way. I would love to go back to sort of the beginning. So I have two kids. I didn't have a difficult labor. And when I read that in your bio, as I was writing it and taking the information you gave me, my, my guts kind of crunched up like this. And I thought, holy shit, 10 weeks of bed rest. What the Mm -hmm. hell? Where was your mind, your head, your headspace at that time? Um, my headspace was, well, it, it, my headspace was in a lot of places. For one thing, I had been told when I was about 18 or 19 that I probably couldn't have kids. I was diagnosed with having what's called idiopathic chronic hypertension, meaning I have high blood pressure all the time, but they don't know why. And I was really young for, for that kind of a diagnosis. And they were worried that if I got pregnant, would that perhaps impact my own health and well-being? So when I conceived, I was really excited. I really, really wanted to be a parent and to birth a child myself. And everything was going smoothly and wonderfully. And then around 28 weeks or so, it was sort of determined that my blood pressure that had been fairly well in check was just not staying where my care team was comfortable with. And so in an effort to make sure that the pregnancy was safe, I was to then be on bed rest. What I don't think any of us kind of took into consideration at the time was the fact that I had just moved from London, Ontario to Georgetown, Ontario, and I knew nobody. And we lived in an apartment. We didn't have a lot of money. We were the first floor concrete all around us. So we had the bunny ears on the TV and we got like two channels, but we couldn't afford to have cable. And I was just thinking, what have I done? (laughs) What have I done? I'm stuck in this spot in bed. My excitement was when my partner would come home and take me for a drive because then I wasn't doing anything, but I was at least change of scenery. And once a month, I would go out to a La Leche League meeting so that I could learn how to feed my baby from my body when my baby finally arrived. So it was a long 10 weeks, but totally worth it. Totally worth it. I mean, I would do anything to have my first child again, even though it was a kind of a crappy labor and birth. <laughs> but what I'm hearing, and I, I, we talk, I talk about this a lot on the show, is we can do hard things. Mm-hmm. We can do hard things. And often we don't realize how hard they are until we look back on it, because in the moment, we're just getting through the day. You know, I'm just putting one foot in front of the other, getting through the day. You say jump, I say how high, I jump that high, then I lay down or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So you've you've had your first baby and you're thinking that experience warrants more of my attention. Yes, a lot of my a lot of my thinking when I was going into having my first child was very much rooted in the fact that I was a women's studies student in university. I had worked as a standardized patient with the women's health program at the University of Western Ontario. So I was teaching second year med students how to do pelvic exams. I I knew the female reproductive system. I knew my body. I knew what it was supposed to be able to do. And so I had decisions that I had made in my head and I had a mental birth plan. And this was probably my biggest obstacle to start the whole journey. 
was that I, I wrote it in my head as a plan instead of a wish list. And plans are concrete and they are rigid and they don't leave a lot of room for exploring other possibilities that may present to us as we need to deviate along our paths. And so I was going to go into labor on my own. I was going to have an unmedicated birth. I was going to feed my baby from my body. There would be no episiotomy or cesarean section. These were all decisions I had firmly made. And then I spent 10 weeks on bed rest, only to be told that the doctor felt like it was safest to induce me at 40 weeks. So not super early um, or not, you know, lots of people get induced at 37 or 38 weeks. So I felt grateful that my baby was probably ready to come or closer to ready to come. And then, um, so I would be induced in the morning. And then because an epidural's side effect or one of many of the side effects of an epidural is to cause a drop in blood pressure, I was going to have to have an epidural. And I was super upset about that because it didn't feel like I was given a choice. And so I accepted the epidural, didn't, didn't have a choice. My labor was extremely fast, as is not uncommon with someone with high blood pressure at the level mine was at. Um, so I, from the time they started the induction around eight o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock in the morning, my child was born just before three in the afternoon, very fast for a first baby. And uh, he was vacuum extracted because he didn't respond well to the medications in my system, which is again, not uncommon but it just felt like so many variables played into me just not having a voice in my own birth process. I do remember at one point telling the obstetrician that was there that if he did not have my consent at any point to do an episiotomy, I thought if this is the only thing that I have any control over, then this I will control. And he looked at me kind of funny and uh, consented that he wouldn't do an epidural or an episiotomy, but but yeah, that was it was a lot of um, decisions taken out of my hands at the time. I did, through absolute perseverance, succeed in feeding my baby from my body. Um, and and that sort of gave me the gift to know that I had the power to choose what path I was going to be taking. And then I thought, I need to help other people learn how to have their own voice during the labor process. And I had heard this word doula passed around in my prenatal classes and I didn't really know much about it. It wasn't like you could just Google something at the time. In fact, I think I probably had to Yahoo something at the time because it's been over 25 years. <laughs> but I, I looked it up and I got a tiny bit of information, talked to a few people and found a place that I could do my certification. So with a six month old in tow, I went to complete my certification uh, as, a, as a labor support person or as a birth doula. And then things sort of blossomed from there. As you say, my first birth as a labor support provider was December 21st, 1998. So that child will be 25 very soon. It's just mind numbing. What a great story. And you know, you, you highlight you highlighted a couple of things that I think are worth talking about doing a bit of a deeper dive, this understanding or this feeling that we choose, we choose a plan mm -hmm. because it makes us feel in control. 
And yet the reality is the minute that plan goes askew, we feel out of control. And it's sort of, it's like you get on this hamster wheel of what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, Mm -hmm. is it the plan or the following through the plan? Like what exactly is the problem here? But I, I mean, it's such an, it's such a, an opportunity for growth to just from the beginning, we change our outlook and don't even use the word plan and you Mm -hmm. use yourself. It's a wish list. And I was kind of laughing, as you said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this because all I heard was my voice as a young teen, as a young woman saying, I'm going to marry George Clooney. <laughs> no, I'm going to marry George Clooney. I don't even fucking okay. know George Clooney, but I was going to, you know, and I, 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 I joke about it, but it can, it can be to our detriment that we don't mm-hmm. recognize that we actually don't know what's best. It would be nice, but really the universe often has bigger or better plans for us. So what a learning opportunity for you. When did you realize that you could make this that you could make a difference because I think there's a point when we go, Oh, I'm really interested in this. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's kind of mm-hmm. cool. But then we step into our greatness and go, Whoa, I am meant to do this and I can mm-hmm. make a difference. Do you remember exactly if, if you have that memory of that happening? I don't, I can't necessarily pinpoint a date or time other than the fact that when I came home from that first birth, I had an overwhelming feeling like, I made a difference in someone's experience. This was not that birthing parent's first birth. It was their second. So they had an older child at home and they looked at me when they were when their child was on the outside of their body and they're snuggling their newborn baby and they said, I couldn't have done this without you. And I, and I thought, well, you would have had to if I wasn't here, but that's beside the point. Thank you for having that kind of a faith in me and believing that what I did for you in this moment was really that impactful. And so I came home from that birth determined to make that my life goal. And I didn't look back. I, I offered my services for free to people. I pounded the pavement. I talked to everybody I could talk to. I sat in the midwifery clinic and, and got to know the midwives in town. And I really just let it become everything that I was about. I was, became very involved in La Leche League where I got to know other young parents and it wasn't so that I could attend their births, but more so that I could learn through them what their experience had been like and what they wished would had been different for them. So that I had this base of knowledge to draw upon the next time I went to a birth. And each time I went to a birth, I brought something new home with me about, about how that parent birthed their child. And I'm going to say that after hundreds of births, I still get that. I was at a birth, although I'm theoretically retired, air quotes, retired, um, because, you know, being over 50 and attending births, it's a lot. (laughs) They're long and they're physical. But a friend of mine had a baby just a month ago, and I came home from that birth learning new things about the whole journey as well. And it, it just never, ever stops. It never gets old. It's never dull. I will say that when my job is good, it doesn't get better. When my job is bad, it doesn't get worse. And, and I've had all of the spectrum of experiences like that. And I think that's just made me a more well-rounded individual in terms of how I offer the kind of care and support that I offer. I think that's really important to understand that there are bad days, there are tough days, right? In all life. But I'm curious, Sam, before we go any further, would you mind 
explaining the difference between midwife and doula. Absolutely. I think, so, it would be, I think our listeners need to know that. I think you're probably right. Cause I'll, I still get asked that question all the time after doing this for so many years as a doula, I don't do anything physical, but I like to tell or medical. I like to say that I work from the waist up and your midwife works from the waist down. So I don't do any vaginal exams. I don't listen to the baby's heart rate. I don't do anything medicalized about the well-being and the and the focus and the production of the whole pregnancy, labor, birth, newborn journey. I do all of the physical support, emotional support, and informational support. So I give the people who are having the babies the opportunity to learn as much about the journey and about themselves as they possibly can so that they can set themselves up to have the experience that they would like to have. That sounds magical. It, it, it is for me. I can't speak for my, for my clients, but it is absolutely magical. Every time I have the opportunity to be present when a new human being comes into this world is it's absolutely awe-inspiring. Do you know, are there many or any male doulas? There are. I don't personally know any, but I know that there are male doulas. Um, I know that there are people who are assigned male at birth who are doulas, and I also know trans men who are doulas. So I don't work alongside any of them, especially since for the most part, I'm retired, uh, but I, I am familiar with there being a few, but not a lot. Yeah. And of course, the only reason I ask, or the reason I ask is it just occurred to me that for centuries, women have supported women in, in the birthing process. Mm -hmm. And looking at the world, how it is today, it just, I just, it just occurred to me, wow, I wonder if there are any men and if that energy is different well it must it, i'm sure it's different because everybody has their own energy but it was just a question i just mm -hmm. thought, i just thought i'd ask no no and i don't i don't know enough about anyone who has birthed with a male doula to be able to say how the energy is different to be able to ask those kinds of questions i'm sure i mean the energy i have as someone who's 50 plus years old is very different than a 30 year old who's starting out and, and working as a labor support provider because I have different life experiences all the way around, right? Right, of course. So, what are some of the surprises that you learned about yourself as you went on this journey of being a doula, if any? Um, it certainly, I learned about how I wanted to present myself to my children what kinds of life lessons I wanted them to learn about empowering. I, I birthed two male children. And so I wanted them to be able to understand what it's like for someone to birth a baby. They would never get that opportunity. They may parent a child themselves someday, but I wanted them from infancy to just know the whole thing to the point where when my eldest was three years old, we went to a birthday party, not a birthday party, a um, baby shower for somebody I went to high school with. And he walked up and he said, is the baby going to come out your vulva or your stomach? And she's like, eh, oh, my vulva. <laughs> she just was so confused. But it's just 
I've given, I hope that I've given them the tools to understand about how to be respectful and empowering of the people around them who do different things with their bodies than, than they can do for themselves. Um, so I think it's, it's taught me how to be the parent I wanted to be and parent the way I wanted to parent. Um, it's taught me to respect myself and the work that I do and put value on it. When I hear people say to me that, that they couldn't have done it without me. I obviously know that they could have, but to say those words to me means that my presence meant something to them. And I don't take that lightly. It's a, it's a huge honor. And so I, I, but I give myself permission to accept that and to say thank you and not, not deflect. And that's hard to do. It's especially because I've been conditioned since a child to when somebody gives you a compliment to say, oh, no, 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 no. They, they don't say it because they're just empty words. They say it because they mean it. And so I can embrace, I'm allowed to embrace the fact that they are giving me a compliment and that makes me grateful. Did you have to work with that, work on that though? Because oh. your point, yeah, we grew up being told to sort of negate a compliment and just poo-poo it away and, oh, that's fine and not accept it. And I'm just wondering if you, I have to work at that, I remember distinctly getting called on the carpet by my friend who tried to, who was complimenting me. And I, you know, and she, she gave me shit for it. She's like, for God's mm -hmm. sakes, can't you just say thank you? And I'm like, uh, okay. And even though I said the words, thank you, I didn't feel it. I was embarrassed, nervous, concerned, like all of these emotions going on inside. So I'm just curious how difficult it was for you to learn that, that when your yes. client said, oh my God, I couldn't have done this without you. That you didn't question you just said i'm so you're welcome yeah it, it took me years i mean i've been doing this for over 25 years it took me years and years to get to that point i think what i needed to hear and i and it's sad that i needed this kind of validation but i needed to hear the midwives and the ob's that i worked with giving me space to do the work that I was doing and recognizing the value of the work that I was doing, as well as the birthing parents being grateful. And all of these things combined made me think, I, I guess I am, I guess I am doing something beneficial for people. And it's, it's okay. It's still uncomfortable. It's still uncomfortable. When somebody pays me a compliment about, about doing baby work, it's still uncomfortable. I'm like, Oh, thank you. But I, but I receive that. I take it and I appreciate it and I value it. Um, but I, but I think you never get away from your conditioning about those kinds of things, but, I, but it makes me far less uncomfortable now than it did years ago. And I, and I do have to say probably only in the last five years have I said, I am an expert in my field. I have done what I've done to get me to where I am, that there are young doulas who've mentored with me there are families that reach out to me years later to talk to me about parenting. Now they're teens and tweens and those kinds of things. There are some things that I have done that give me the power to be able to say unequivocally, I am an expert in my field. I work with a, with a chiropractor every single day. And if one of our patients comes in the office and they're expecting, even if they're just, you know, they just found out, he, he has the respect for me as a person and as a professional to step back and say, I'll help you with your adjustments, but anything pregnancy baby related, your best go-to is Sam. She's an expert in her field. And when I hear other professionals call me an expert too, 
then I'm, I'm like, I am, you're right. I own that. So beautiful people. That's being badass. And <laughs> what, well, I want to point out because you said something, something that I can really relate to, which is I looked for the other professionals to validate my, my work mm -hmm. as well as the parent. And what I, and, you know, part of being badass is this understanding that while the outside validation is great, when you know it, you know it, and when mm -hmm. you, you can accept it. And what I've learned is that when I, once I've accepted something, the rest of the world sees it naturally. I don't have to shove it down their throat because I just exude that level of confidence and happiness and energy. Now, there have been times when I'm in another space and People are very complimentary. And I'm like, what are you even talking to me? I didn't even hear you talk to me. Like, I'm just so unconnected. I'm so mm -hmm. not present. It doesn't happen so much anymore because of all the work that I do. But I think it's really important that you, that we all pat ourselves on the back when we can say, hey, it's great that you liked it, but really it's me that matters. And I fucking loved it. I <laughs> <laughs> liked it. I loved it. Right. You think yep. it's great. I know it's amazing. You think yeah. good at what I do? I'm actually exceptional. So, and it's not, it's not about tooting your own horn or having an inflated ego. I mm -hmm. think it's really about being able to trust, surrender, and accept, right? You trust that we're in the right space, you know, mm -hmm. surrender to plans, to having to pivot, right? Surrender to what's meant to be and knowing that you are equipped to handle and pivot in the motion, right? Mm -hmm. And to really accept that we are meant for greatness, Right. We're meant yeah. for greatness. And when I say greatness, peeps, I don't mean being on stage. I don't mean, you know, earning a million bucks. I don't mean fame. I mean the greatness of stepping into our calling, whether it's to be a bookstore owner, a life coach, a doula, mm -hmm. it, you know, whatever it is, we're here for a reason. Yeah. Okay. So you've mentioned a couple of times, I'm sort of retired. <laughs> and I don't believe you. So let's talk about <laughs> what you're doing now. So we're going to take a short break right now, but I'll be back with my guest within 60 seconds. Ladies, unlock your inner badass and transform your life with my monthly subscription workshop. For just $47 a month, you'll have exclusive access to work closely with me, Mahara Wayman, as we dive deep into all things badass from personal development to conquering your goals. Imagine waking up every day with confidence, purpose and a smile that radiates your newfound strength. Take advantage of this badass opportunity and join us today at www.mindfulnesswithmahara.com and start your journey toward a happier, more confident you. Smile when no one is looking. You've earned it. Uh, so from the physical attending of births, I, for the most part these days, when I'm asked to attend a birth, sort of refer out to other people that I know are exceptional doulas that work in my community that I can refer to when clients want them. But I have friends and family who, if they ask me, I'm always going to say yes. And they know that they don't have to worry about whether or not I'm not attending births anymore. And, and there's an extra privilege in being able to choose when I'm on call, when I'm off call, it's it's a lot to be on call. And I was on call for the better part of 20 years. And so to have that opportunity to, to now pick and choose without meaning to make that sound so elitist, I don't mean that. I'd simply mean 
that I can now give my time to other things. About eight or 10 years ago, a friend of mine, a, a, an amazing, wonderful midwife friend of mine, reached out to me and said, are you doing work specifically for the 2SLGBTQIA plus community? And I said, no, I don't, I don't differentiate necessarily. Why? And she said, yeah, why not? And I went, that's a, that's a pretty fair question. That's a pretty fair question. I am a part of the community. So why am I not doing everything I can to make sure that members of my community know that they have someone in the community to support them? So what am I doing now? I am helping meet with clients before they even start their fertility planning process and talk about what steps they want to take, how they're going to go through the journey, helping provide them with resources of information so that they can better understand what might work best for their family, whether that's connecting them with a financial planner, whether it's connecting them with a fertility clinic, whatever it is, teaching them how to if it's um, someone with a uterus, teaching them how to read their body's cues of ovulation every month, whatever it is, then connecting them with different resources throughout the whole journey and teaching them classes and coaching them in their parenting journey, providing infant support, all of those kinds of things. So I still get to be very, very much involved in the world without necessarily standing in the labor and delivery room at the time that the baby arrives in the world. Fair enough. What do you see is the biggest need in this field? Specifically as it relates to 2SLGBTQIA plus commu the community, I think the biggest need is for them to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to honestly say that if if this week has taught us anything in this country, um, that's huge. That's a huge part of it. Um, I, I started about a year ago, I started recording conversations with queer people. Some of them are professionals who help create families with queer couples, whether it's a a, you know, a chiropractor or a naturopath or an obstetrician or a family, a financial planner, whatever it is. All of those people I spoke to are queer identifying. I also spoke with queer parents about their intentionally created families. I started documenting all of this because a friend of mine had said, why don't you have a baby show? Just a baby show for the 2S LGBTQIA plus community. So I went to a baby show because it had been a while since I was pregnant, you know, it had been a while. <laughs> And I walked through and I thought, this isn't a baby show for my community necessarily. First of all, only one vendor in the whole show had anything indicating that their spot was a safe space for someone who identifies as 2SLGBTQIA+. And I thought, that's not okay. If I'm going to do a show for my community, I need anybody participating to make sure it's unequivocal that they support. That's one piece. But the other is, and more importantly, we need to hear each other's stories because we don't get pregnant. We don't grow or start our families because we've had an extra glass of wine on a Saturday night. It's 
always intentional. It's almost always expensive. It always involves somebody outside the dynamic of the couple, if it's a couple that wants to conceive and create their family. And so I thought it, a baby show needs to be more about the stories than the vendors giving me free coupons for diapers that I still didn't need. And so I, I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. But it was the tail end, of, well, the tail end of that part of COVID. And I didn't think that people would necessarily still be lining up to come to an in-person event like that. So I recorded them all and put them all on my website and said, have a listen. Anybody who wants the information, have a listen. And then last May, I thought, oh, Pride Month is coming. I should take all those conversations and start putting them out as a podcast every, every Thursday because I want people who want the information to have it. My, you know, one of my taglines is just providing the answers to questions you didn't even know you had. Because if you haven't been there yet, you don't know what you don't know, right? Whether, and, in that, and that's relevant to anything we do in life, but especially about family creation. And how do I decide about who my donor is going to be? Will it be somebody I know? Is it somebody I don't know? Um, how do I ask somebody if they, if I want somebody that I know, then what are their legal rights? What steps should we be taking? Oh, better call a fertility surrogacy lawyer, that kind of thing. So it's been eye-opening. It's been amazing to hear people's stories. I'm so grateful that people are willing to share their stories, either about the work that they do or about how they created their family and just make that accessible to people who really truly are still feeling like oh I, I wonder if we can have a family someday because that's a big question in our community like how how do I do it I mean I know I want to be a parent but but how I am blown away by the scope of the of the possibility <laughs> you're saying and I'm really humbled to be having this conversation with you because you know for so many years we didn't talk about it Mm -hmm. And it was, and I, my, I think even today, there is this question of, I would assume that there could be many people that are like, do I even deserve that happiness? Mm -hmm. My whole country, if, if a good portion of my country thinks that I'm in the wrong or I'm a freak, how do I stand up and say that I want this dream? And I'm getting kind of emotional about it because I just feel I, I'm with you like, oh, my God, this is worth talking about. This mm -hmm. is a conversation that we need to have every single day and and yesterday. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not only about your right as a human being. It's not only about the beauty of life. It's about it's more than that. Right. It's the possibility of a life where we don't judge anymore where we just mm -hmm. look at everything through the lens of love. And I know that's going to, that's tough for some people. And this ain't that show, right? If this, if that's how you're thinking, then this isn't your show and you're probably not listening, but I want to say thank you for stepping into that because that's not an easy, that's not an easy Avenue to step into. That's not an easy place to step into and speak up. So I really applaud you for doing that. And I want to know how I can help. Seriously. It, it, thank you. First of all, thank you, because you want to know how to help. 
one of the ways to help is when you hear someone's story, share it. When you can tell someone that you are there for them, tell them. During where I am, a year and a half or so ago, there was a big debate just before Pride Month about whether or not the Catholic school system would fly the pride flag at the schools. And the board said no. And the school said, screw you, we're going to do it anyway. And a lot of schools did. And the teachers were putting flags in windows. But there was a lot of hate spewed. And there's there's always there's always a lot of hate spewed. And so I went out and I bought a whole bunch of wind rainbow window decals. And I handed them out to all the people that I knew, straight, gay, whatever, questioning. It didn't matter to me if you were willing to put a, a decal in your window to let people know that your home or your business is safe. Just little things like that go a long way. You know, I have somebody walk by our clinic and I've had them come in and say, I saw the rainbow in the window and thank you. And, 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 and I'm just like, but of course you, you're welcome here. You're safe here. And then it feels like a simple thing, but it's enormous when you don't know, I can walk down the street. I'm very straight passing. Nobody knows except on the days when I wear my flag across my shirt or what have you, nobody knows looking at me necessarily that I'm that I'm part of the queer community. I'm proudly out and proud. I have a flag in the back of my, my vehicle window. And, but I'm, but I, I want people to know they're safe with me. And that isn't something that's written everywhere because how often have you heard people's stories about, you know, I was terrified to tell my parents because I thought they might kick me out or my parents kicked me out because I came out to them. They loved me until they didn't, you know? I, it's not right. It's not right. And so what can you do? You can just keep sharing stories. I, again, I'm going to say thank you. And to, to the people listening, pay, this is really important. What Sam said about it doesn't have to be a big gesture. You know, smiling at someone Mm -hmm. It's a huge, it's little, easy to do, and it has lifelong repercussions. Mm -hmm. Looking somebody in the eye when you're talking to them mm -hmm. is so powerful and such a gift. Mm -hmm. Listening to somebody's story, even if you don't agree with it, to just listen. Because the, when you say, I'm listening, and you look them in the eye, that person realizes that in that moment, they really matter. And that's all we want, mm -hmm. whether you're straight, bi, gay, trans, like whatever, regardless of what your sexual preference is or any of that. As human beings, we want to know that we matter. And mm -hmm. so it's the small things that that matter, that count. So I'm going to challenge all of you that are listening today or whenever you listen, whenever you're listening to this, ask yourself, what can I do today to let the world know? or to let this person or that group know, or my neighbor know that I see them and that they matter. It is incredibly fulfilling 
mm-hmm. to lead your life, to live your life through the lens of love and acceptance. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is fulfilling. Absolutely. Fulfilling. Absolutely. You learned so many things that you didn't even know you wanted to learn when you give yourself the opportunity to pause and listen and listen to learn, not listen to respond. Beautiful, beautiful distinction. And when I studied, I took a course in communications once and I Googled something and this came up, you know, the definition of true communication. It's, it's, it's listening to understand, mm-hmm. not listening to respond. And I, you know, I'm a trained facilitator and that's one of the first things that we were taught. And it was tough at first. Cause I'm like, no, no, no. I want to have the right answer. When I'm, leading, <laughs> when I'm leading the group, I want to make sure that they know that I know my shit. And mm-hmm. finally, my teacher was like, okay, could you just stop? You don't know your shit. Just sit quietly and listen to what they have to say and let them lead you because mm-hmm. you never know where that conversation is going to go. And it was really beautiful because in that moment, I learned the power of the pause mm-hmm. and it's okay to be quiet. And it's also okay to give somebody permission to tell you more, which was my go-to phrase for years. It was like, tell me more about that because I actually mm-hmm. don't understand where you're going with this. I'm not even following you, but I'm going to try. So can you tell me more? Make it really simple. Speak to me like I'm an idiot because I'm not following. Of course, I never said all of that, but that's often what I was thinking because I was like, I don't get where this is going. Mm-hmm. But I think I digressed a little bit there into my into my past career. But okay. it's pretty powerful to know that as human beings, we just want to, we want to tell our story. And what I think is really also important is as we listen to others' stories, we learn so much about ourselves. Mm-hmm. we learn where our judgments lay because when people talk we have a we you know often we'll have a reaction whether it's visceral a, it's visceral right and it's, that's so interesting and once I gave myself permission to listen to my body when it has that type of reaction oh my god I learned so much I didn't always like what I learned mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah you know personal journeys are not always the funnest but mm-hmm. wow um, the freedom that comes from going, okay, when this person says that, I want to punch their lights out. That's interesting. Huh. I'm not going to do it, but that's interesting. Why do mm-hmm. I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Why is that my response? Yeah. Why is that my response? And and not to be, not to give myself shit for that, but just to go, that's interesting. Wow. Curious. More and more curious. And then if necessary, forgive yourself for it. Wow. I forgive nice. myself for that belief because what I know in my work with my clients and myself is that most, if not all of our judgments today come from a belief that we, that became about when we were very young. And mm-hmm. once I understood that, you know what, when I'm six, seven, eight, the brain just doesn't, can't compute. So it sees this. And the third time it sees it, it makes a connection. That connection may not be correct. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Hey, that doesn't work for me anymore. I really did go off on a side tangent. So I'm going to stop that. I have a question for you. Yes, I have an answer. Uh, you will have an answer, I'm sure. What is your definition of a badass? Oh, that's a good question. I think my definition of a badass is an individual who respects the world around them, but does everything in their power to make sure that they're making the world a better pay- place, no matter the cost whether at personal cost, physical cost, emotional cost, um, I think you have to be willing to put your discomfort aside. Sometimes 
to push that needle forward so that we can continually grow as a species to be a better place. And, and I think that for me, that's what a badass is, that you're just doing what you can to make this world a better place. And you're not unapologetic about it. If people don't like it, as long as you're doing what you, what you can from your heart and without any malintent, then I think that makes you a badass. I agree. That was a fantastic definition. And <laughs> as you were, I'm very visual. So as you were speaking, I really, I could see that it's the, it's the end result. We are all part of the, we are part, we are, we are the world. Mm -hmm. Not to go back to the Michael Jackson song, but we are the world. <laughs> and when we can accept that we do make a difference in the world, one, mm -hmm. one voice at a time, then mm -hmm. it becomes kind of exciting to put the collective voice ahead of the individual. Because mm -hmm. as a the collective voice is hurting and we need mm -hmm. to, you know, we need to, to, to solve that or to put a, it's like a solve on a wound. I agree. It is badass to think of the, the collective yeah. and, and to step out of our comfort zone mm -hmm. and to, to sort of address that and to stand up. And to me, what I'm also thinking is it's being badass allows us to question the boundaries that we put, a, put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. What yeah. what are the boundaries? What are your boundaries? Are they inclusive or are they inclusive? Are they exclusive? Right. Yep. Very small change in in word, but very powerful. Dif uh, I need a drink. Very powerful <laughs> distinction between the two words. Um, Absolutely. Laughing at me the whole time that we, even before I hit record, I got chuckling <laughs> like a mad woman. So I think I think it's probably time that I wrap this conversation up. But. I just want to be very clear today. You you've got your own podcast and you're mm -hmm. going on to year three, I believe. I have two podcasts. So year three starts for boobs, bods, and brains about women's health and wellness. And the, and I'm partway through season one of becoming baby ready. So some of the work I do is only to us LGBTQIA related and the boobs, bods, and brains is for anyone who calls themselves a woman or has a uterus. So that's what I do most of the time. <laughs> Beautiful. Guys, check the show notes because of course I'm going to have all the different ways that you can connect with Sam and learn more about this amazing woman and life that she's created for herself. If you have any questions about how you can make a difference in your world, and would like to support Sam in her efforts, please, please, please reach out to her because this is important work that she is doing. And we are all part of the solution, regardless of where you stand on any of the issues. We are all part of the solution. Sam, it has been an absolute delight. Loved chatting with you. Mm -hmm. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Please DM me, reach out to Sam. Know that we are on our journey to make the world a more conversational place because stories matter, yours included. And have an amazing week. I will see you next week on The Art of Badassery. Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, 
keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you. Thank you.